This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com. Amazing. So lastly, I just want to say this. I am excited to announce to you, you have a special speaker that we have flown a long way and paid a lot of money for this speaker to be here. So I want you to join me as we welcome CLC's very own youth pastor, Pastor Matt, to the stage as he brings the word this morning. We love you. God bless. Thank you for that welcome, Pastor. I have not seen that check yet, but what a pleasant surprise. Thank you, Patrick. Man, so excited to be sharing the word with you today. If you're new here to CLC, welcome. All right, you got a second-rate speaker, but, you know, God works through weakness. Amen. So my name is Pastor Matt. I am the youth pastor here at CLC, and I just want to say real quickly how honored I am to be the youth pastor here. Um, There is not a better church in terms of supporting the the next generation than CLC. Um, you guys believe in this next generation. And, you know, when it comes to things like camps, like retreats, there's, you guys are so incredibly generous towards our students and uh, just couldn't be happier to be a part of a church uh, that values young people and invests into their lives. And so thank you for allowing me to be the youth pastor here. Um, it's a dream job and wouldn't trade it for anything. So... Pastor Heath, thank you so much. I know you're probably watching online for the honor and uh, for trusting me today to fill the pulpit. Um, My prayer today is number one, that I don't say anything that's gonna get me fired. And number two, that I don't voice crack because as my students know, I have some middle schooler tendencies, all right? So I will avoid that for you today, all right? Before we get into God's word today, let's pray and uh, dive into all that he has for us. Father, we just thank you so incredibly much uh, for the ability to open up your word and to allow it to impact our hearts and our lives. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would take complete control of the service. Lord, that my words would not be heard, but God, that's what you wanna communicate today would be spoken in this room. May our hearts be open and may we be willing to receive all that it is that you have for us. And everybody said, amen, amen. I wanna start off today's message with a bit of a rhetorical question so you don't have to scream your answer out to me. But in your personal life, have you ever in a moment felt weak? Have you ever experienced a moment of weakness? Now this can be emotional, it can be physical, This is kind of what we're gonna dive into today. If you've ever, well, actually last week, if you stepped outside last week here in Montana and your entire immune system shut down because it's negative 20, you would know what kind of weakness I'm talking about. Anybody with me on that? I know I'm a Missouri boy, I got thin blood, but man, it got cold here. Weakness, something that a lot of us have experienced before. A couple of years ago, when I was a freshman in college, I experienced probably a moment in life where I've never felt weaker, all right? So me and my buddy Ty, best friends, met in college, uh, decided to go camping at a campground that he was a groundskeeper at. Do I have any campers in the room? I'm gonna be asking for a lot of hands raised this morning just because that's how I keep the students engaged, and so that's how I'm gonna keep you from falling asleep on me. Are we okay with that? 
So I was with my buddy Ty and we're going camping and you know, we have our campsite set up out at the grounds. He is kind of over. And um, what we ended up doing is cause we're deep down city slickers, went back to his place and we're like playing some video games. And then we are gonna go later that night and decide to sleep through the night at our campsite we set up. However, what ended up happening as we were like checking the weather, there was a massive storm coming through Huggins, Missouri. And it's very known that area for crazy lightning storms and rainstorms. And so there's a really big storm coming through and we had left all of our gear. I had left my Bible down at the campsite. And so you can't get that wet, come on, all right? And so what we did, we decided it's dark out that we are gonna, before the storm hit, go down to the campsite and get all of our stuff and then run back home into the safety of shelter, all right? And so what you have to know though about this situation is we were about a mile away from the campsite and in order to get to the campsite, you just had to go through woods and there was this long curvy pavement road that went through the woods to a lake. And so me not owning any guns or having any experience in the outdoors at that time, told my friend, I'm like, hey, you're bringing some weaponry, right? We're going into the dark woods. And he's like, no, we'll be fine. All that's out here is skunks and possums and we'll be okay. And so meanwhile, as we're walking down the road, he's telling me all these like Bigfoot stories. I'm like, dude, you need to be quiet right now. So it's pitch black walking through the woods. I've got this like tiny little like 50 lumen headlamp he gave me and he's got this like massive flashlight. So I already feel, feel very ill-equipped, all right? And earlier in the day, we were actually looking for skunks because his job as a groundskeeper was to kill rodents. And so we were looking for skunks because one had sprayed him and he had some bad beef with skunks. Anyway, that was for him to work through. And as we're walking through the woods, I'm looking on the left side of the road with my little tiny headlamp. And he's looking on the right side of the road with his flashlight, you know, and we're just watching for enemies, you know, to just college dudes who think they know what they're doing in the woods at night. And so I'm walking and on the left side of the road, about 70 feet from me, I see two eyes. And you know, nobody likes to see eyes at night. Like it's just not a comfortable feeling. And so immediately what I assumed though is because my friend told me there's only skunks and possums in the woods. I said, Ty, 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 I think I see a skunk. And he brings his big headlamp over and all of a sudden, five more sets of eyes appear. And I don't remember how he identified the color, but somehow he knew that the color of the eyes identified that those were dogs. And come to find out, we, we're walking right into a coyote pack. And I know in Montana, like we got wolves and they're like way worse, but in that moment in my life, okay, I have never been more afraid, okay? Literally 70 feet from us, about to walk into a coyote pack. I said, Ty, Ty, what are those? What are those? And he says, Matt, we need to back up slowly, all right? And so my heart, you know, is racing like 4,000 beats a second, all right? We're backing up slowly. And what I felt like I noticed is that they were walking towards us. In this moment, I was being stalked by coyotes. I'm like, why am I not in my bed watching uh, some Disney movie right now? Why is this what I'm going through? And so as they're walking towards us and we're walking slowly, okay, all of a sudden, without 
giving me a heads up, my buddy yells, run, and he takes off running. I was the one who recommended bringing a gun, okay? And he didn't do that, okay? And so he took off running, and so what do I do? I can't be the slowest person, that's how people get eaten. And so I take off running. The thing was though, I was wearing like basketball shorts and I had like my phone, my wallet, my keys in my pocket. And the faster I ran, the further down my legs, my shorts fell. And so I'm running from six coyotes with my pants down, screaming, Ty, please wait up, as he's just leaving me in the dust. I survived, thank you for asking. But in this moment in my life, in terms of moments where I have felt extremely weak, I've never felt weaker than when I had my pants down running from coyotes, all right? It was a very humbling moment for me, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever experienced a moment, maybe not like this one specifically, but a moment where you have felt extremely weak, where you have felt unable to accomplish what you needed to, you weren't built up for the task at hand, you felt like you weren't enough. A couple of you may be familiar with me quoting the great Michael Scott as he was asked a similar question by his employer. His employer asked him, what are your weaknesses? As to which he responded, my greatest weaknesses are that I work too hard, I care too much, and sometimes I can be too invested in my job. Okay. His employer then asked him what his strengths were. As to which Michael Scott responded, well, actually my strengths are my weaknesses. <laughs> sometimes when it comes to weaknesses, we as people, do not like to face or talk about them, right? It can be hard at times for us to come to terms or to be honest with the weaknesses in our lives, our own personal insecurities, what we feel we do not measure up with. Superman, any DC fans, any superhero fans in the room? Okay, we've got a couple. I'm personally Marvel, but God loves you, all right? Superman, if you know, he would never walk into a fight and make sure his enemy had some kryptonite. And if you don't know what kryptonite is, it's the one thing that can kill Superman. If you watch a football game, you don't watch the coaches sharing their plays with each other. Why, why, why don't they do that? Because when we expose our weaknesses in this world, we are likely to be taken advantage of for it. We're likely to lose if our opponent knows our weakness. Which is why in life, it is so incredibly natural for us to hide, to conceal, to bury deep, deep down that which we are most insecure about and weak in. However, in John 16:33, Jesus shares with us two very impactful promises that completely turns how we view weakness in this world upside down. And so we're gonna continue in the sermon series that Pastor Heath has been walking us through on promises. And so I'm gonna share a promise that Jesus gave us with you this morning. His first amazing promise out of the two promises in this verse is here on earth, 
you will have many trials and sorrows. Pretty great, right? It's a pretty awesome promise. All the new people in the church are like, what the, what kind of church is this? Don't leave yet, okay? He continues on saying this. The verse says, here on earth, you will experience many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What is Jesus saying here? He is saying that in spite of life's hard moments, in spite of those parenting challenges that you've been walking through, helpless to find an answer for, in spite of those overdue bills that keep coming in the mail, that plant fear into your life, in spite of that medical diagnosis that there just seems no hope to bring an answer to. Jesus is reminding you today that in spite of your own weakness, he has overcome. Now, is that not good news, church? In spite of what you are unable to do, he has already overcome it. Now, although this promise is good news to hear and dwell on, what I wanna dive into today is what Jesus really meant for us to understand when it comes to the relationship between our own weakness and his power to overcome. The relationship between our weakness and his power to overcome. Before we look into our passage, a quick side note for us this morning. Scripture, the Bible, describes itself as alive and active. Alive and active, giving really powerful imagery, comparing itself to a sharp sword that can actually cut through bone. Now I know Pastor Steve probably has some swords or knives that can cut through bone, but not many of us do, all right? Can cut through bone. The reality is that when it comes to life, there are some things that you cannot just rely on defense to counter. There's some things in life that as a Christian, in order to prevail, you have to go on the offensive. You have to go on the offensive. You see, God's word allows the Christian to go on the offensive. It's how we instill godly worldviews into our children. We don't play defense and allow the school system or culture or their friends to instill godly worldviews. No, as believers, we go on the offensive and we make God's word the priority. God's word is how we fight the lies of Satan, the enemy that he speaks over us. Because when the enemy speaks that you can't, when the enemy speaks that there's no hope, God's word has an answer to fight against that. God's word is how we grow in wisdom and how we hear from the creator of the universe, the lover of our souls. It is how we connect with the God that we were created for relationship with. This is why we must make this word, this book, a daily part of our lives. Because if you just live your life as a defensive Christian, it will not only be harder, but you will miss out on the blessing and the purposes that God has for you. 
Does that make sense, church? Today, we're gonna dive into God's word and go on the offensive. Before we do that, I wanna share with you a great, uh, great theologian, Charles Spurgeon, was once quoted as saying, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. That being said, if you're ready to dive into God's word today, if you've got your Bible, usually in CLC Youth, if students bring their Bible, I give them uh, free items from the cafe because I am in full support of bribery so that our students can establish some healthy habits. But I sadly don't have any like candy for you today. So, you know, be blessed. Anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse six through 10 is what we're gonna be looking at today. We're gonna look at Paul as he talks about the relationship between his own weakness and God's miraculous power. So let's read that verse today, starting in verse six. All right, it says this. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so. This is Paul speaking. Because telling the truth, but I won't do it. Because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're like me, but at first glance, when you read this, you kind of think it's a little whack, all right? Because you got Paul here, who kind of sounds like a hypocrite. He's telling us, all right? He's telling us that he has legitimate reasons to boast, but he's not actually gonna do it. It's like, Paul, didn't you just actually boast by telling us you could boast, but you're not going to? Anybody else confused by that, okay? <laughs> to provide some quick context here, Paul is talking about how he received a revelation from God. Now, theologian, theologians fall in different um, areas on this. Essentially, Paul believes that he either, whether it was physically or uh, spiritually through a vision, had a revelation from God in which he went to the third heaven, which if you examine the text, essentially that just means the heaven that we think of as modern day Christians when we think of that word. And so Paul had this experience where he went to heaven, he was in God's presence. He even, if you look and study the passage, we won't get into it, but he even says that he heard things that he can't even repeat because humans are not able to hear such wonderful things. Now, if you tell me that, and then you say, but I'm not gonna brag. I'm gonna kind of look at you with a blank stare, all right? <laughs> it's kind of like asking someone, if you've ever ran into this before, if you have a friend, you know, family member who went on a cool trip and you're like, hey, how was your trip? And they kind of look at you and they're like, it was indescribable. It's like, you can't have three adjectives to describe your trip. You have to just, okay, sit, stay on your high horse anyway. This is not what Paul's doing here though. He's not just throwing this out there and then saying, uh, but I won't tell you all the details. He's very intentional with why he reveals this to us. To read it again, he says, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life 
or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. He wants us to understand something. You see, this experience that Paul had, although miraculous, was an extremely personal experience for Paul. What do I mean by that? It means that I didn't experience it. I have no way to validate that Paul experienced it. Paul has no way to prove to me that he experienced it. The only person who this experience, this revelation was of any benefit to was Paul. This is why he was so keen in not boasting about it. The first thing I want you to write down this morning if you're taking notes is this statement, when you boast, watch what you build. When you boast, watch what you build. You see, Paul is trying to teach us that when we boast, we are actually building something. When you brag, when you voice that you're proud of something, when you boast, you are building something. We are either building God's kingdom or we are building our own. And since his revelation could not be directly of use or encouragement to anyone besides Paul, if he were to boast about it, he would only be highlighting himself. Does that make sense, church? He would only be highlighting himself. Hence, he would not be honoring God. It's a very key and maybe difficult concept to understand. But this is what Paul is communicating here. If he were to boast about this experience, sharing with everybody, ah, God allowed me to see this. I had this amazing revelation. What he's doing is he's putting the attention on himself and not on others and definitely not on God. He's building Paul's kingdom, not God's. Yet, all right, and God in his amazing work still used this experience that Paul had, this revelation he had, to communicate a very key point for us today. Catch this key lesson right here. As a Christ follower, we should, be, we should watch that we do not build ourselves up under the, under the cover of quote unquote worthy celebrations. Let me read that again. As a Christ follower, we should, not, we should watch that we don't build ourselves up under the cover of quote unquote worthy celebrations. To give you an example, all right, some funny things that you might hear a Christian say, all right? You ready for this? I got a great tax break this year because of how much I tithed. No, that one wasn't good enough? All right, here we go. Here's another one. I'm 15 days ahead in my Bible in a year plan. Nobody asked. What about this one? Sorry I was late to the Bible study. I was up all night praying. You see, this is called a humble brag. And although the word humble is in the statement, it's not humble at all. Humble bragging is not something that those with humility tend to exercise that often. Avoiding this thing is really difficult as people. It's difficult as Christians. It takes awareness, it takes humility, 
And most importantly, and pastor is always such a huge proponent of this, it takes a daily repentance. Daily repentance. Even when you feel like you didn't sin that day, repentance. Why is pride so incredibly dangerous to the Christian? You see, pride was the first sin that ever entered into this world. And it is the last sin that God will eventually root out. Feeding your own pride, pointing to yourself, and this is gonna hit hard, all right, for some of us in the room today. Feeding your own pride is like feeding a black bear on your back porch, all right? It seems fun at first, but eventually you won't be able to humble it anymore and it will eat you alive. Pride is dangerous. What seems small at first can eventually become something that hardens your heart to the point to where you no longer are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And pride is so especially difficult to point out for your own life personally because it's so hard to see. This is why the body of Christ is so incredibly important because oftentimes you will not be able to identify when there is pride in your life. But you know who can? The one who picked up on your humble brag about that whole 15 days ahead in the Bible in the year plan, your friend, your brother, your sister in Christ. This is how we sharpen each other, as iron sharpens iron. We keep each other humble as Christians and we point out when our brother or sister in Christ is getting a little too prideful. Why do we do that? Because we are all just as easily affected by it as anyone else is. When we do not check the enemy of pride in our lives, we starve ourselves of the only thing that can satisfy our souls. And that is to honor God with our lives. D.L. Moody was quoted as saying, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. God sends no one away empty except those who are already full of themselves. Maybe you've heard this verse before. Luke chapter 14, 11 says this, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Who is the ultimate example of this for us, church? The Son of God, who had every reason to stay in heaven, but decided to come down in human form, humbling himself so that we might be saved. And what happened at the end of Jesus's life? He was exalted, right? For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Paul then continues on talking about a form of suffering that he feels God put him through to keep him from experiencing or taking on this kind of pride that we've been talking about. It says this in the verse, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. In this, portion of, in this portion of scripture, we see Paul describe 
a harmful situation that he's experiencing as a thorn in his flesh, all right? Many of you may be familiar with this, but if you're not, all right, many scholars would agree that Paul is not referencing a literal thorn or splinter, all right? That'd be, he'd be a bit of a baby for that, okay? He's not referencing an actual thorn, okay? Many theologians agree that this was not physical, um, but rather something along the lines of emotional turmoil. I mean, Paul during this time was having a lot of issues um, with the churches that he was over. It could have been an ongoing sin issue. It could have been a physical injury, maybe poor speaking ability, or even just a form of spiritual warfare, some type of demonic opposition. Why does Paul in this moment not share with us exactly what this thorn is? If you ask me, I think maybe he was just really careful not to point any attention to himself. Sometimes, and we all know the people and we've all done it ourselves at one point or another, but sometimes a pity party can actually build pride. Oh, look at me, woe is my life. I've experienced this. And it becomes this competition of who has gone through worse trauma. And what may seem humbling is actually something that builds your own kingdom, not God's. Maybe that's why Paul didn't share with us that thorn he was experiencing. But why does he bring it up? Why does he bring up that he's experiencing this in the first place? Second thing I want you to write down this morning if you're taking notes, is this weakness can be a blessing. Weakness can be a blessing. What nobody wants to hear, but we must understand, is that spiritual burdens are sometimes ordered so that we can avoid spiritual pride. Spiritual burdens are sometimes ordered so that we can avoid spiritual pride. You see, for Paul, it could have been any of those things that were just listed. listed. He received this life-changing revelation from God. Something that probably all of us in the room today have not come close to experiencing. And yet, God saw it fit so that Paul would not become proud over this situation to plant a thorn in his life to remind him of his humanness and his need for God. Maybe the thorn that you're experiencing is the very thing that is forcing you to rely on God, hence experiencing the best of what he has for you. It goes back to the promise from the Lord that Pastor Heath started out this whole sermon series with. Even when those thorns, that medical diagnosis that just will not be healed no matter how much you pray. Maybe it's a financial burden in your life that you cannot find an answer to. Maybe the thorn is a relational issue between you and your spouse or you and your child that right now you just seem weak and of yourself to overcome. Maybe it's a mental issue. Depression and anxiety are on the rise in our world today and it's humbling when we feel so incredibly weak to no matter the amount of pills, no matter the amount of counseling, helpless to solve the issue. Maybe it's a work-related thorn. 
Maybe you have not been able to find that career path that you thought you should be in already. Maybe you haven't received that promotion that you thought you deserved and have worked for. Maybe that's your thorn. In spite of those thorns we experience, I encourage you, encourage you to remind yourself of Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise to hold God to, amen? And so is the one thing that God gives Paul in this final passage. 2 Corinthians 12, eight through 10. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. And he ends it with this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Last thing I want you to write down today is God's supernatural strength is, di is displayed through your natural weakness. I remember when I was um, in college, went to a Bible college and remember so vividly the first sermon I ever gave to students. It was actually to my peers. And um, first sermon I ever gave, first sermon I ever wrote, and I preached on secret sin. So it was a very encouraging message, all right? Preached on secret sin. My, my message was filled with filler words. I, I stuttered so much. I was hard to follow. It was a train wreck. And above all else, just to top it off, on a message on sin, I forgot to talk about Jesus at the end of it. So it was a very depressing sermon, perhaps one of the most depressing messages you would ever hear. However, his grace is all I need because his power works best through weakness. I thank God that he doesn't make it of habit of only using the strong, but he prefers to utilize the weak and the lowly to accomplish his will. The people who need him the most. It is impossible for God to use those who have no need for him. It is impossible for him to utilize you, for him to fulfill the purposes he has in your life if your life is only filled with you. If the only needs you have are needs that you can find in of yourself. Catch this today, church. God does not want your strength. He has more than enough strength. What he desires is your weakness, your inability, so that he can use it for his glory.
because it is impossible for us to take credit for something that we couldn't have done without him. Did you catch that? It's impossible. If we can do it ourselves, then we might be able to receive the glory for it. Bow your heads with me in the room today. If you're here this morning and you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, maybe you've never accepted the free gift that is a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been living life your own way, relying on your own strength, on your own ability. And you're starting to recognize that that is not enough. If you're in the room today and you want to accept the free gifts of salvation that is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, if you wanna be forgiven of your sin and you want to live your life relying on God's strength instead of your own. If that's you in this room, no one looking around, this is a moment between you and God. If that's you in this room, you wanna make that decision, would you just real quickly lift up your hand so I could pray for you? I see that hand, I see that hand, so cool. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. So cool. God's so good. Last call I wanna give. For those who are willing, nobody looking around, but for those who are willing to admit that they need less of themselves, less of your own strength, less of your own plans, less of me and more of him, more of God to work through your weakness for his glory over your own. If that's you in this room today, and quite honestly, in this moment, I wanna invite every one of us to stand. Every one of us in the room today to stand. Just for a moment. Because I believe this, that when it comes to defeating pride church, it is a daily repentance. And so can we in this moment right now humble ourselves before God and repent of the enemy of pride in our lives so that he may be glorified above all else. Let's do that. Father, we just give ourselves to you in this moment. All across the room today, Lord, none of us are exempt from the temptation of pride in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal your glory to us today in such a humbling way, that we would know your Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And God, that we would step into all that you have for us as we decide to focus on less of us and more of you. We love you and we praise you. Let's worship for just a moment. You may be seated if you'd like to. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at azulachurch.com.